what happened when two guys named Jamie and Justin asked you to be on a podcast called The Great Big Beautiful Podcast? Wonderfulness, that's for sure. Come join me, Tony Bancroft, and listen to our podcast. We just recorded it, and it's wonderful. done this yet, but I would think I would like to sit down and watch the prequels knowing what I know now and see how, if my opinion on them hasn't changed. More power to you. I can't. I, I still can't <laughs> bring myself. I have three little kids who just love everything about Star Wars. Still can't bring myself to sit down and watch the prequels. They've never seen it. This is Sarah in Happy Valley Goose Bay, Newfoundland, Labrador, listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. Episode 18 starts now. Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. Welcome to the podcast this week. How's it going, everybody? Not that you can talk back to me, but <laughs> they're all shouting. They're all shouting at you in their cars right now. Yeah. We're doing great. We're, we're doing good. If you're on the subway, welcome. If you're in your car, welcome. You're walking. You're about to have a half hour of awesome. I hope so. <laughs> don't, don't oversell it. Don't oversell it. We have a we have a great interview, and Jamie's going to introduce our guest. But before that, I just wanted to ask Jamie. There's a piece of news that came out this week. What did you think? Just very quickly, what did you think about uh, Disney deciding to close Downtown Disney? At the they're not, they're not closing Downtown. Or not Disney. Downtown they're Disney. Cause yeah. a panic. Now there's going to be now you know you know what's going to happen is there's going to be a site that's going to hear that, and all of the blogs are going to be writing it. Well, it, wait. <laughs> Let's back up. In a sense, you are correct because they are rebranding and it's going to be Disney Springs. Right. So eventually downtown Disney will be no more. But no, you are asking about Disney Quest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't really care. I've never been there. It was right. always one of those things that like, oh, that would be fun to try out. I mean, I like video games. I like the old arcades. Um, I'm not a huge gamer. Right. Um, it was one of those things of like, yeah, if I could get there, I could get there. But it was always so expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and my kids are really little. They're not video game. They're, they're certainly not like arcade yeah. coin op players. Um, so, no, we never made it. Um, I liked seeing the building that had a, that had mm-hmm. a really cool design. Yeah. Um, I liked the big weird. <laughs> I liked looking at it. <laughs> yeah. I like well, the Mickey design was really cool in the building. Yeah. Um, but no, they're replacing it with the uh, some NBA restaurant, which I totally could care less. Couldn't care yeah. Less. I'll never. I'll realistically i will never go i I won't either and my quick thoughts on it are the way disney quest is it's like the only time you really want to go in there is if it's a rainy day in florida and then if you do go there on the rainy day it's so packed you can't do anything in it yeah that's probably why it didn't do very good (laughs) probably i mean it's and it doesn't appeal to younger people i mean it appeals to the nostalgia of 30 something guys who used to go to the arcades when they were kids and play right. Double Dragon and Operation Wolf and Pac-Man <laughs> and, you know, whatever. What are you like, saying about those guys, Jamie? That we're awesome. <laughs> that, that sure wasn't me when I was a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I, I don't see a whole lot of it. I never saw a whole lot of appeal there for right. younger kids. Right. 
So that's yeah. So what are your what are your guys' thoughts on it? Let us know. Uh, write to us on Facebook or Twitter. We have a fantastic interview with Christy Golden coming up, and Jamie's going to introduce her for us. Well, when this episode, uh, when you guys are listening to this, um, if you're listening to the day it dropped, this came out yesterday. Um, it's a new new Star Wars novel called Dark Disciple. Christy Golden um, wrote it. it. It actually came from eight an eight episode arc uh, from the Clone Wars. They were unproduced scripts. Um, which I guess they had a lot of these lying around because uh, they're they're doing various things with them at this point. But these eight episodes um, follow a very uh, interesting storyline um, with Asajj Ventress and Quinlan Voss. Um, and so uh, she was given the task of of translating those scripts and those episodes uh, that never were into a novel. Um, and among the new Star Wars novels that have come out since they sort of wiped the slate clean and started over with the new canon and relegated everything else to legends. Um, this is so far the best that I've read. Um, it's, it's engaging, it's thrilling, it's tense, it's sweet. Um, it's all those things at the same time. Um, it's really, really good. Um, I definitely recommend this one. Um, even if you're not a big, you know, like, Star Wars novel fan. Um, I could understand why a lot of the ones in the, over the last 30 years <laughs> have not really been that great. Um, you know, the, the ratio of good to, to Drek um, has not been a really good ratio. There's been a lot of bad stuff. There's been some great stuff. Um, but uh, this one is is a great one. Um, and so we, we definitely and, recommend it. And we're going to try to keep this one spoiler free. So don't worry if you're listening. Yeah, if you haven't if you haven't read it yet, uh, we don't spoil anything other than what you might read on the back of the book. Perfect. Well, let's get right into it, Jamie. Absolutely. So, thank you very much for joining us. Um, My pleasure. So, since the Star Wars canon has sort of been wiped clean, starting with a new slate, you're one of the few authors who have come in on the ground floor of that new quote unquote expanded universe. Um, so as you were writing this book, did you feel any sort of pressure or responsibility about that? Or was there more of a sense of freedom? Well, um, after having done The Fate of the Jedi, which was a big old nine book series in which I did the three middle books um, in a world that I was not that familiar with that had 40 years of continuity right. to it. Uh, this was definitely, it was refreshing to be able to say, hey, uh, everything that I need to know is finite, and I can learn everything and be really up to speed and come in fresh. So that was that was very very nice. Uh, the big sense of responsibility for me was uh, in treating the character properly because Asajj Ventress is um, very well developed, very well loved, and has a great following. And I really wanted to treat her with all of the respect that she deserves. Yes, yeah, you. Sorry, Justin. No, go no, ahead. you go ahead, Jim. I was going to say, because you, you just touched on that with your answer is, um, you know, referring back to the other Star Wars books that you wrote in the longer series. Um, and I was just wondering how the experience of writing this book compared to the experiences of writing those, which were really were couched in this really convoluted and, and complicated universe that had been built up over so many years. Um, it was definitely more streamlined. And I tend to be a writer that enjoys... Uh, I, I prefer to dive deep than than cast a broad net. I prefer to really work very closely and intensely with a handful of characters. Um, even if I do scenes like you know battle scenes or something, you'll you'll find that I focus on how the characters are feeling and reacting rather than um, you know large plans and and 
layouts and things like that. So the the Fate of the Jedi, I've never done anything like that. That was a pretty amazing project, very ambitious. And um, so, yeah, this and then to have this, which it even went so far as to have eight scripts for me to draw from, complete right. with the animatics for half of them. So it was it was really kind of going. That's nobody else has really pointed that out. But yeah, it's going from one extreme to another. So the book the book you mentioned it was you had the scripts for it is based on the eight unproduced episodes of the Clone Wars. How much freedom did you have to add to the story or add to the canon, if at all? Um, well, you know, obviously your job when you're novelizing something is to not cherry pick a line here and there and then write your own story. You want to bring the, the story that's already been created uh, with this, this original framework to life in another medium. So um, I certainly did pay attention to the scripts and the dialogue as, you know, as she is writ, as they say. <laughs> and um, it was very good. It wasn't like I had to do too very much. Um, it was very solid. But the nice thing about doing a novel is you can really take it that much further. There are a lot of scenes in there that um, I got to create that were not present because we did have a larger scope in a novel and more time to to show the building of this relationship and to show uh, how all the dominoes fell and the impact that, that they had and really kind of be with that. And there were other things that we changed because – while they would work terrific as part of a 22-minute television show, they weren't so well-suited for the medium of a novel. And another approach or perhaps another angle um, would really serve to move the story forward better in this medium. How many other unproduced scripts are there awaiting development? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Good question. I'm not privy to a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> Thought I had, just had to ask. <laughs> nice try. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you mentioned that. Um, so when it got handed off to you, so to speak, that there were already animatics and there was already a bit of development that was done on it. Like how how much how much had already been done? Like, I mean, was there already basically a full outline of the story? Like you knew, you knew all the big, the big points and you knew your A to Z or was there still a lot of sort of like, well, we were thinking this might happen here, but see what you can do with it. Um, the former, it was pretty well laid out. Um, yeah. not all of those, um, angles, approaches, beats, etc., made it. Um, there were a couple of things that, um, I chose to show, through the point of view of another character, which sometimes meant bypassing them entirely. Everything, every choice that I made and um, all the conversations that I had with, with people working on this was how best do we tell this story in this medium? And it was more important to do that well than to slavishly follow every single line, every single fight scene, every single adventure off um, so we we really looked at what would serve the story best. Would it be better to include this or not include it? Would it be better to include it but in a different way? How about showing it through another character? So forth and so on. Yeah. It it actually, as I was reading it, it was kind of a little bit mind-blowing to me that this was going to be an animated show. Like it just, the, so many of the themes and the scenes and the, the, the concepts that were brought up and just some of the things that the characters do don't, don't seem like they would have, I guess, been at home on, you know, in the, in the 22, ep 22 minute animated show. It, it seems much more 
Um, I, I guess that's testament to you know your ability to, to flesh it out and really make it come alive. But it just it feels like it was a very ambitious idea to put this on the small screen. I, I think so. Um, given how I, I hastened, well, not hastened, but I was not a watcher of the show until I got this project. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the end, I tell you, I'm a true believer. I <laughs> thought it was a fantastic show. I really enjoyed watching. I watched every episode. I watched some of them more than once. I even watched some episodes that I didn't need to watch more than <laughs> once, more than once. Um, it just, it was a really, really good show. And it, uh, it, 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 the more you see that, the more you realize what a tragedy the whole Clone Wars was. Yeah. And um, it got pretty big and it got pretty dark. And I think that, I, I certainly think they could have pulled it off. I don't think these episodes would have been flops. But oh, I, I do think, so think it was um, really ambitious, and I think actually it was a perfect decision if if they couldn't air them to give them life in this medium, which can go a little further and can spend more time and can go deeper. Yeah. Um, and I know the story that you were telling is very much connected to the Clone Wars, and it sort of exists in that era of the Star Trek universe. But how much communication um, is there among all of the different authors right now currently writing books and creating the new canon? I mean, is there any or is it just sort of, you know, it comes from the editor, it comes from the publisher and top down and you guys don't really have any communication with one another? I can only speak to my experience. I would imagine that the ones that are tied directly with the upcoming movies mm-hmm. um, are getting a lot more of uh let's work together on this and phone calls and um, online chats and, and things to coordinate, m- m- similar probably to what we did with Fate of the Jedi. Uh, but my story was so self-contained and um, so kind of, I, I won't say isolated, but it had its, its one place and it didn't really affect right. anything that was going forward. So I really didn't have very much interaction with, uh, with any other authors at all. So they pretty much left you alone. It did. I got to sit in my little my little hole and and and, and write and, and create and rub my hands and go. Mwah. That's where a writer wants to be, though, right? <laughs> That's where I, I exactly yes. We love that. Um, I'm just curious. Um, and, and again, you may not have had a whole lot of freedom because it, it came to you as you know a more or less finished story, or in terms of you know where it was going. But um, how do you as a storyteller, as an author, how do you approach a story and, and your narrative when the audience who's reading it already sort of knows the outcome of one of your main plot points? Um, so, I mean, just to explain in case people aren't familiar with the book, one of the ma- main plot points that drives the the story is that there is an attempted assassination of Count Dooku. Um, but we know that that's not going to happen because we see it on screen in, I guess it's the third movie. Um, and so I'm wondering, since you're telling a story where one of the goals of the of the plot is that end, but we know that it's not going to be successful, so how does how do you approach a story in that way? Um, I've done a lot of of books that are kind of prequels or set in the history of a world in which people do know the outcomes. And for me, the if generally the tension point is what's going to happen with this plot point, and that plot point is known, you have to find another way to get the tension. Mm. 
And the tension has to be something like, for me, well, well, how does it go wrong? Why does it go wrong? And what are the repercussions of it going wrong? And how does it affect people? So instead of having the plot being the driving thing that keeps the reader interested, it's how the plot affects the character. So, so many Star Wars novels feel bogged down with the weight of like the history and lore, and Dark Disciple felt surprisingly light and fun, but still compelling. So was, there, was that something you consciously thought about when you were writing it? Um, not consciously, but I was aware that, as I said before, everything that I needed to know, I could get within a countable number of hours. Um, it was all there. It was all there in the club. It was in the, I had my canon. The only thing I needed to know was my canon. And my canon was the eight scripts, the four animatics and the episodes of the Clone Wars. It was finite. It was doable. It was something that I could immerse myself in and really kind of, you know, absorb very, very well. That kind of makes it so you don't have to think about, you know, all of the other histories and besides just what you're working on. It's kind of nice. Right. And even more so than, say, if this story had centered on Kenobi and Anakin, because of these two characters, they didn't have tendrils that went Mm -hmm way beyond what was going on here. They were very self-contained as well. It's a very compact story. And uh, my job, as I said, which I love doing, is I could go deep. I didn't have to go broad and reference a whole bunch of other things and make sure that all that was worked in as well. I could really sit with these two main characters and um, hang out with them. Yeah, it, it, it really is remarkable. I mean, J- Justin said that, you know, it feels surprisingly light and fun, um, but it's it, it's a very dark story and, it, and it's not, I, I, I don't think anybody could really realistically call it a fun story, but as you're reading it, I mean, it is a very fun story when you're reading it. And it it's just, I don't know how to describe it other than that. I mean, it's a dark, serious story with very serious effects. Um, I don't want to get too spoilery. Um, and it's, and it touches, it's very emotional and, but it's still a really fun ride. Well, that's wonderful because that's, that's exactly what I, I wanted people to do. I wanted them to feel inside the story, not yeah. that they were reading it and kind of being distant from it and analyzing it, but just kind of living it to get inside the skin of the characters the way I try to do when I write is to really get inside the skin of the characters. And one of the lovely things about Voss, and we saw this, we only got to see him in one episode, but obviously, as you can tell, they certainly did plan to take him to deeper and, and more complicated places. But that part of him that was, you know, people were worried about the surfer dude, but that part <laughs> of him that has that great joie de vivre is not necessarily a bad thing. It doesn't have to be, um, you can be a deep person and have a lot going on and still be able to experience joy and laughter and and have fun and go, let's go and let's do this, you know, and have a great time and still be somebody who thinks, somebody who cares, somebody who has, has great depth. Yeah. The, the novel really does toe a line between genres. Um, I mean, obviously it's Star Wars, so it's science fiction, but it it goes in places that most other Star Wars books I don't think I've really gone before. There's a, there's a, 
a serious undercurrent of romance. I wouldn't call it a romance book, but it tells a romance story. I mean, it tells a very romantic story, um, which I think might surprise a lot of people who go into it expecting, especially Ventress, to be somebody completely else. Um, and I mean, I guess this might be a weird question, but what kind of a response are you, to the book are you really anticipating from people who have seen her as portrayed as one particular type of character and now to see her as something completely different? See, I don't know that it's all that surprising when we look at her arc through the mm -hmm. series. Mm -hmm. um, she has always had a connection with her masters. Yeah. She has always been profoundly affected. She has had attachments. Um, the whole arc with her sisters is just one of the most heartbreaking things. Yeah. And, you know, there was love there. She found a sisterhood. She found a family. And she was ready to turn her back on everything and just be part of this family. And um, it wasn't just, oh, hey, let's hang out with the girls. It was, you are a night sister now. You, you, you know, these are your sisters. Mm -hmm. And so she is certainly capable of deep connections. And she is very guarded. So one of the major things that um, I wanted and we all agreed on in our, our conversations back and forth was we wanted to take the time to build up that relationship. We wanted the readers to go along with and kind of be with the characters as they they learn to first simply work together. Both of these, these guys are loners. Yeah. They like to work alone. So here they're doing this partnership, which was kind of forced on, on Voss. So they have to build a partnership. And then that has to build trust. This, you've got, somebody's got your back. And then that kind of grew into liking and, you know, we start seeing Ventress actually crack a smile now and then. And then it grew into something deeper. And we wanted to make sure that it had the chance to do that because, again, in an eight-series arc, that kind of comes fairly fast. Yeah. And a lot of that connection happens off-screen while other episodes of The Clone Wars are airing and other stories are going on. So, but we didn't have that luxury. We had to show everything. So we really wanted to take our time. And that's, that was some of my favorite parts of the book was just letting the characters be themselves around each other, like real people are, and getting to know each other. Yeah, that, that sort of goes back to what I was saying earlier, but I, I, I can't really see that, that I thought it was ambitious to try to present this as, a, as, as eight standalone episodes or an eight episode arc because that relationship between... Ventress and Voss is so well developed in the book and it's it's nuanced and it's given the time to develop and grow and as a reader you really start to believe it and you become invested in it and I'm not sure that would have played as well in eight episodes. You know I've, I've had a, a little bit of feedback on that and there there seem to be two prevailing uh, schools of thought and they're actually can be held by the same person and are held by the same person sometimes. And one is that, gosh, I really wish I could have seen these episodes. They would yeah. have been so cool. And then, gosh, I'm glad they did a novel instead because we got to have <laughs> this type of experience. And I think you could hold both of those those thoughts. Yeah. I'd like to see the – I mean, having just said that, I think I also would like to see the episodes. It would be different, but I think it would it would be good for different reasons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I would too. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you had said that you'd never really watched the show when it was on, but you became a big fan later. Yes. Um, I mean, obviously you've written Star Wars books uh, before. Were you a fan of the prequels? And it's, okay I, to, it's okay to say if you're not. I, 
I was, let me put it to you this way. I was a 13-year-old mm-hmm. girl <laughs> seeing Star Wars A New Hope in the movie theaters mm-hmm. in 1977. And uh, my brother's nickname for me was Overkill <laughs> because <laughs> anything I got into, I got into, you know, 110%. Yeah. So I spent that entire summer with the weekends parked at the movie theater. Good for you. <laughs> and um, good for my parents who would drop me off. And I, right. you know, I thank them in my dedication for my first book. I said, look, it all paid off. <laughs> so I have such a great and abiding love for the, the big three and the feel of that. So I, I was not as big a fan of the, the prequels, but I will tell you, that getting to spend more time with Kenobi and especially Anakin in the Clone Wars, I've become a very big fan of Anakin. I really like him. And towards the end, it just, the inevitable train wreck that was coming, you know, it was was hard to watch some of those episodes. I teared up a time or two. I mean, and that that sort of was my question, is that um, I think a lot of people, I was, and I'm, wondering if you were surprised at the popularity of the Clone Wars, which is still incredibly popular, despite, you know, the hate, you know, let's be honest, the hate that people have for those three prequels, people who hate the prequels will still love the Clone Wars, but they're basically the same character is set at the same time. Um, and I think, I mean, is it just because we got to spend more time with them and we got to see more developed stories? I, I, well, I'm a big fan of, of spending time and, and, and developing, um, I, I, as I, as I've said, you know, I like to go deep and I really enjoyed that opportunity that the, uh, the series afforded us. And, um, because so much happens and now, and you realize so much happens, um, you know, between the movies, here's what's going on in between. And, um, I haven't done this yet, but I would think I would like to sit down and watch the prequels knowing what I know now. And see how if my opinion on them hasn't changed. Yeah, more more power to you. I can't. I, I still can't bring myself. I have three little kids who just love everything about Star Wars, and I still can't bring myself to sit down and watch the prequels. They've never seen it. Um, any of them, the, the three three prequels. I just can't do it. <laughs> I mean, the only time I've ever seen them was when they first came into the theaters, and that was yeah. it. I didn't even. I don't even have them. <laughs> so. Uh, You've written uh, around some 50 novels, and many of them are set in established universes within the sci-fi, fr- like existing sci-fi franchises, including Star Trek, World of Warcraft, Star Tra- Starcraft. Is there something about writing in these universes that you enjoy? Are you a sci-fi fan at heart? Well, you know, it's so funny because I got into this kind of sideways. Um, I had written a book, and I was shopping it around um, back when I was 27, and... Um, I answered an audition that TSR was doing for uh, a blind audition to to kick off the Ravenloft line. And I wrote the outline in the first chapter and they picked me. And mm. suddenly, boom, mm. you know, congratulations. You now have three months to write a book. Go. <laughs> and I was like, wow, you know, so, and I just kind of took off. And I have, I'm theater trained and I was always really good at accents and, you know, imitations and things like that. So I have an ear. So I can really observe a character or, or hear them and then I can, you know, put that forward into a new thing. And my goal is for people to not be able to tell which of the lines came from the script and which of the lines came from me. Mm-hmm. Because hopefully this, this becomes a seamless collaboration 
um, rather than, oh, well, this clearly came from the scripts and <laughs> this is something that the author did. Uh, so I, I do enjoy that. I do enjoy uh, capturing them. And if I can uh, digress into another IP, when I was doing Devil's Due for StarCraft, um, Neil Kaplan did the voice of Tychus Finley. And oh my lord, did I have that in my head. And was the dialogue for him the easiest thing in the world to just to sit down? I was like, what would Tychus Finley say to that? You know, yeah. there it is. You know, so easy. And it became that way with Ventress and Voss. I was really able to kind of home in on their, their speech patterns and that kind of that playful, you know, come on, let's go type, you know, thing that, that, that Voss had um, as opposed to Ventress's very acerbic and, 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 and sharp uh, uh, responses was a lot of fun to deal with. That's interesting. I, I guess I always had the assumption, clearly, um, incorrectly, that, you know, authors who write in, you know, with these established franchises like Star Trek or Warcraft or what, Star Wars or whatever, that they might feel um, handcuffed to pre-existing representations and ideas of what characters are supposed to be like and how they're supposed to act and things that they're supposed to say. Um, and I never really considered that that, I mean, the, the dialogue would probably come a lot easier because you already have that notion of of this is how Yoda talks or this is how this character talks and this is how they're going to react into this situation but how can I play with it what what creativity can I bring to that yeah exactly it's um it is I I can't, I can't say I will say that doing media tie-in work is harder than original yeah. fiction I've written about half a dozen of my own books and um because you have to do, I like to say it's, the, it's like the Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire joke. You have to do everything that, you know, Fred did, except backwards yeah. and high heels. You have to do everything <laughs> you would do. I mean, a conscientious writer. And sure, I know there are people out there who are hacks and they don't care if the book is good. They know it's going to sell. So they, they don't, they phone it in. I, I'm not one of those. And um, so I have to do everything that I would do if it were my own book. I have to have a really good opening. I have to have dialogue. I have to be able to move the story forward. I have to have good point of view. I have to have pacing. All these things that I would do with characters that I didn't get to create, whose fate I can't determine, mm -hmm. <laughs> in a world that's not mine, and that a whole other group of people have to sign off on, and for fans who already feel that they already know the characters perhaps better than I do, mm -hmm. some of them think. And so so it's definitely challenging, but I, I like that. It's kind of like writing a sonnet as opposed to writing freeform poetry. Yeah. You have to hit a few certain things in the right way, but to me that just makes the challenge greater. Do you, do you ever worry about reception? You mentioned the fans and they already know the characters. Do you ever worry about how they're going to feel about the book once it's released? Well, you know, of course, the absolute hard-bitten <laughs> professional would say, not at all. I know I've done a good job. It doesn't matter to me. And the fact is that I'm a very squishy, soft inside, and of course it matters to me. Um, it particularly matters when it's a, a, a project that, that I love and that I really feel like I've done a good job on. And, in, you know, and I love Star Wars. And to uh, be able to see reviews, I've been, been fortunate so far, the reviews for Dark Disciple have been really excellent. So I feel like people got what I was was trying to do and went on the ride with me. Yeah, I don't I don't understand the fans who feel. I mean, I, I understand fans who maybe don't like a book or don't like a show or don't like something, but to, to then to like to voice that displeasure, you know, to to be kind, to voice that 
that to the creator. I've just never understood what what good they think will come from that or what, <laughs> you know, like, does that make you feel better? It's because it's clearly not going to make the author feel better. <laughs> I mean, have you have you run into any of that? I, I mean, I kind of hesitate to I, ask. I but. have to say that the people that. It, the, the people that I invite into my quote-unquote home, my online home, or when I see them at cons, are absolutely super. I have very few trolls. I have some really, really special fans, and they rallied when I asked them to help help me help a friend who was in real trouble with the charity donation. So the people on my Facebook and on my Twitter feed are just as super as possible. Now, if I venture online and I go into forums and I go into their house, Don't do it. it can be a different story. Um, but and I kind of deserve what I get if I go out and do that. So, so there you are. Everybody's got their own opinion, but this is something that I don't think was around 20, no, you know, really. 40, 50 years ago when people talked about, you know, there was not this level of vitriol. And I think, it, I think really whenever... Uh, a fan waxes wroth. I, I know where it comes from, and it comes from a love yeah. of mm-hmm. the original IP, and 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 it comes from them feeling hurt by something that's happened. Um, and I have to respect that. You know, they love it as much as I do, and this is this is how they care about it. And um, so I know where it comes from, and I, I don't get angry. Perfect. Um, you mentioned original work. Do you have any any thoughts or hopes on wanting to get back to any more of that? I would love to do that. Um, I've actually got a couple of potential projects in the work for young adult, and um, I am looking to. I've gotten the rights to uh, a series that was canceled midway, and they have come back to me. And um, the wonderful world of ebooks is now such, and I think my my name carries enough weight that um, it it might be a, a fun thing to do to get those out and to try and finish that series up. Do you have anything else coming up that you can talk about? I'm afraid I have a few projects, but I'm not allowed to say with what (laughs) or or when. But hopefully, if all goes according to plan, I might be able to talk at Comic-Con. And that's only a week away. Oh, my Lord, don't tell me. I'm, oh, I'm so not ready. I'm so not ready for this book to be out. It, it's like, it was like, yeah, it's really far. If it's really far off, oh, it's not released. Oh, my gosh, it's, it's next week. It's coming out four days. <laughs> are you, uh, what are you watching or reading right now that's really good? Um, actually, right now, I have started listening to um, uh, the Song of Ice and Fire Very good. Um, as an audio book. And I am on the third book, so no spoilers, please. Man, it's I, a really, I, you know, I did the same thing when I, I, I started, I'm only two books in actually, so I, I can't give you any spoilers, but I did the same thing. I listened to the audiobook, and it's a, it's a really great production. It, it is. And I have a, a fun little story for you. Um, the actor Roy Detrees who narrates them, um, we, we might remember him, those of us, uh, from, from years past in the, in George Martin's Beauty and the Beast with Linda Hamilton. Right. He played father. Um, he was also in the same prisoner of war camp as my father in World <gasps> War II. Really? Really. Um, Stalag Luft III. And um, my parents saw him in a show in the National Theater, and they wanted to see if they could go back and meet him. And he welcomed them back, you know, with open arms. Because, um, you know, you share something like that. He, they did not meet. It was a big, you know, it's a big place. Yeah. Uh, but to have shared that experience is, is a profound thing. So Roy Detrice has a very special place in my family's heart. Oh, that's a lovely story. Yeah, that's fantastic. So before we go, is there? Uh, do you want to tell everybody how they can find you, how they can reach you online? 
Absolutely. Um, I'm pretty easy to find. I'm on Facebook. I have both um, uh, a professional page and a personal page. So far, there's still room on my personal page. But if you're really just interested in my writing and my thoughts on writing, you can follow me on my public page. And that's just Christy Golden for both of those. Um, my Facebook, my, excuse me, my Twitter is at Christy Golden. I have WordPress, which is Christy Golden. And for a big change around, my, my website is ChristyGolden.com. Excellent. <laughs> um, I'm going to be opening up the store. I do sell books, uh, autographed books and personalized books from my site. And it's been dormant because I've been in the throes of a move. But um, I'm going to be opening it up probably today. And I will be having uh, some uh, few copies of Dark Disciple. So if people want to jump on that and get autographed copies, they can. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been an absolute pleasure. And I enjoyed it. I am, I am just going to sing the praises of this book until people tell me to shut up because I think it's fantastic. Aww. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and he's thank not you kidding. So much. He, he's messaged me probably, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say five times. He's like, man, you got to read it. You got to read it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm, I am a firm believer of, of Frost's quote, which he says, no tears in the writer, no tears in the reader. Yeah. And so I certainly felt everything. I laughed and, you know, at the fun stuff and I cried at the sad stuff. And uh, so hopefully that it sounds like that is translated to a connection with my readers. And that is a really lovely thing. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. And I, I've, I've seen a lot of the uh, positive reviews and I hope they just keep coming. So I oh, wish, we, we wish you all the best of luck with this one. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks, Christy, for stopping by. That's it for this week on the podcast. As always like subscribe and share that's our three main things we want to drive home <laughs> yeah and you might want to mention this week justin that um we're finally logical in our um handles on both facebook and twitter they match <laughs> after how long have you been after me to do this i don't even know <laughs> probably episode one <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, jamie messaged me the other day and he was like okay well why don't we do this in a so I finally sat down and did it. And then I messaged you back and said, I know you. You That really bothered you. It really did. <laughs> it really bothered me. <laughs> so, but it matches now. You can find us very easily. And on Twitter, we are at the GBB podcast. Send a tweet, follow us. And coincidentally on Facebook, we are facebook.com slash the GBB podcast. <laughs> easy, easy, easy. Easy peasy. So yeah, you can find us there, and we are we're on Twitter personally. I'm 140 Justin C. I'm the Roarbots, and we love to talk, and we often talk to people on Twitter. I'm not so Jamie's on there all the time. Like, yeah, Justin's the Facebook guy. I'm the Twitter <laughs> guy. So pick your poison. <laughs> you pr you'll probably like Jamie more. So talk to him. <laughs> complaints, send them to him. Yeah, send all your complaints my way. I'll take them. <laughs> so uh thanks for listening this week guys as always we love to hear from you we love to see your ratings on itunes that helps get our show out there more and if you have friends that would be interested in a disney geek type podcast that we do be sure to share it with them we can grow together <laughs> i sound like a uh one of those like 1950s let's grow together I love it. I love it. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. Have a good one. <laughs> this podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad. <laughs>